Friendships are important. We need people. It's hard to go through life by yourself. Sometimes in America, people say, I don't need anybody. I'm a self-made person and those kind of things. Well, the truth is we need each other. And we already know that from the body of Christ because Jesus Christ puts us together in the body with gifts, talents, and abilities that we need each other. And with the virus, with people not getting to be with other people, it has taken a toll. And they've said, I read something about three days ago, and then I saw something on television where one of the doctors was saying that the number of suicides has dramatically increased over these last six or seven or eight months because of everybody's got to be inside. Everybody, you know, if you, get, if you get it, you can't be with other people, or if you get around somebody that gets it, you have to be quarantined. You can't be with other people. And so sometimes we, you know, we just, it's just bad when you're not with other people. Well, we're going to see what Elijah does when he gets depressed. First, one of the things he does is he gets away from everybody. Gets off by himself, and we're going to see what God does with this. And so we see the six things that God does. So let's remember what we saw what we saw last time. Last time, First Kings nineteen verse two, Jezebel. Look at it says, Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, "So may the gods do to me, and even more, if I do not take your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time." She's talking about the four hundred. He, he, they killed four hundred fifty prophets of her Baal of of, of her. God, Baal. And so she says, okay, let me tell you, you may have killed them, but I tell you by tomorrow, I'm going to kill you if you're still here. I'm going to do the same to you as you did to them. And basically she says, I will kill you if you're here tomorrow. Now we, if you just don't know anything about his life and you said, what would Elijah do when she threatens him? We would say, listen, he would say, I don't care what you think you're doing, but that's not what happened. He ran away. Verse three says he was afraid. And arose and ran for his life, and he came to Beersheba, which is the southern part, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. He gets off by himself because he has a servant with him, and then he leaves the servant there, and he takes off. And then in verse 4, we saw this last time, but he said, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, even further out. He came and sat down under a juniper tree. He requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it's enough now. Oh, Lord, take my life. I'm not better than my father's. And so he, he ran off and wants to die. And we looked at this and we said there were things, four things we saw in this passage. See what causes depression in our lives and what causes depression, it seems like, in his life. Seeing the problems rather than the promises. I mean, he's had the promises of God and everything, and now he's seeing the problems. All he can see is Jezebel and the fact she's going to get him killed. And let me tell you, she is the mean one. She is the one. We're going to see something miraculously happens in Ahab's life before it's all over with. But I'm going to tell you, she is the evil behind the throne. And so she says, I'll kill you if you're here tomorrow. And uh, I think he thinks she would. And so he's looking at the problem rather than promises. He's got wrong thinking. You know what he says? I'm worthless. I'm nothing. He's a prophet of God. One of the most important men, if you go in the whole Bible, he's one of the most important people in the whole Bible as far as what he did and the things. And yet he thinks he's nothing. He's physically and emotionally exhausted. There's, that's what's happened. There's exhaustion. We know that he had that big victory and he had the, you know, jumping. Everybody was jumping around and he brings down the fire and they kill him. And then he causes the rain and praise and then he runs 20 miles and outruns a chariot. I mean, he is just, he's done it all, and he's worn out. And then the fourth thing is isolation. He gets off by himself. And we've talked about this. I know this, that when people get depressed, they don't want to be around other people. They want to be by themselves. Just leave me alone. I want to be by myself. 
And so this is what we see. And so when you see, when you, when, you, when you begin to look at problems rather than promises, when you begin to think that you don't matter, that, it, you know, a child of God, all oh, who, who, what does that mean? Who knows? And then when you begin, you're just worn completely out, not only physically but emotionally, and you want to be just by yourself, you've, that's some signs that maybe you're depressed. And, you know, I, I've talked to, over the years as a pastor, I do some counseling. I'm, uh, you know, not, I'm a biblical counselor. Uh, and, and there are people who come in the office and you can tell immediately that there's something wrong and, and you start asking them questions and, and they have all this right here. And so what does God do? Now, here's what's amazing. Verse 4 says, He went by himself a journey into the wilderness. He came under a juniper tree, requested he die. He says to God, O Lord, personal God, O YHWH, O personal God, take my life, let me die, for I'm not better than my father's. And then we're going to see what happens. And we're going to see what God does and what God allows and what God does. And so as we look at this, and this is what can help us all, because probably at some time in our lives, we get depressed. Now, not maybe, not, maybe not clinically depressed, uh, but we get depressed enough that we're bothered and we don't want to be with anybody. We don't see a future. We see that it's hopeless. Nothing's going to ever work out right. I wish I was never born. I mean, I just, uh, you know, one of, and that happens to all of us. So here's some things that God did, and let's look at them. And here's the first one. The first one is God gave Elijah physical provision. He gave him rest and food. Remember, he's physically exhausted. So look what God does. He lay down and slept under a juniper tree, and behold, there was an angel touching him. What? God said an angel. And he said to him, arise and eat. He said, you, you need to eat something. In verse 5, he said, angel came, and he lay down, and then God wanted Elijah to rest, and he wanted him to have some food. Look, it goes on to say, the angel said, arise and eat. Then he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. Now, he didn't do that. He didn't put that there. Who put that there? An angel put that there. God put that there. God made some bread on hot stones and some water, and so he ate and drank, and he laid down again because he's, he's tired. He's worn out. He ate bread and the water, and then he slept again. And then it goes on and says, And the angel Lord came again a second time and touched him, saying, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. He says, You're going on a journey, and you need more food. You need rest. You need to do all this because it, it, there's going to be more coming. And so he says you've got, there's a, there's a trip coming. And so he needs physical provisions, food, and rest. And look what, it go, look what it goes on to say. So he arose, and he ate, and he drank, and he went in the strength, notice, of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, if we just read this and you don't know, you don't know where these places are, it doesn't mean anything. That's why we're going to look at it. He, he, was, he was worn completely out. He's gone a long way. He's went almost the whole length of the nation of Israel, all the way to Beersheba, and then way out into the wilderness, another day's journey. And God said, lay down. When he woke up, angel said, eat. He ate and he drank. Go lay down again. Got up and ate and drank. And then angel says, you got to be, be ready because the trip is a long trip. And we say, well, a long trip. And it says he got up. And in that strength, he went for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Horeb. You know where Mount Horeb is? Mount Horeb is Mount Sinai. He said the southern part. Of, by the way, from Kadesh Barnea, from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea is an 11-day journey. Nation of Israel, with all those 2 to 3 million people, made the journey from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea 
in 11 days. So he's already one day, he's, he's 10 days away, but how many days does it take him to get there? 40 days and 40 nights. Wonder why? He's traveling slow. God says, travel slow. I want you to make it slow. I want you to take your time. I want you to rest. I want you to get your strength back. You know, 40 is a symbol. <clears throat> I thought about doing a study sometime. I think there's nine, nine particular places where 40 is used. 40 days and 40 nights here. Jesus was tested for 40 days. Goliath came out and challenged him for 40 days. Reigned on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, Jonah went to Nineveh and said in 40 days the city's going to be turned. I mean, so 40 is a, it's sort of a time of testing. It's a time of something. And so here he is. He ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. This is where they got the law. This is Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai and Mount Horeb are the same one. This is where the nation of Israel, God went, Moses went up on top of the mountain and came down with the commandments. God, he's sending him there. It's almost like he's, he's get, letting him start over. So he's giving him rest. So the very first thing is God provides for him physically. The second thing we're going to see is that God allows Elijah to vent his feelings. To, to tell what's going on, to talk about it. Look at verse 9. Now watch what God does. It says, when he, Then he came to a cave, and he lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him. Now what, watch what God says. What are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> I love it. God is the counselor. He's got Elijah in his office. And he says, What's going on in your life? Why are you here? I mean, you're a prophet. The last time I saw you, you were on top of a mountain whipping 450 prophets and then running real fast and, and praying and rain. And it, that's the last time I really saw you. Now, what are you doing here? And you know, sometimes when people get depressed, we need to say, what's going on? What's got you down? What are, what are you not seeing correctly? What's happening here? Because they'll say something like, I, I just don't see a future. Well, let's talk about it. Why don't you see a future? What's going on? And, and so God is the one talking to him. And I love it because God says, hey, w what are you doing here? <laughs> Why are you here? Why have you come to the council room? And, and by the way, we're going to see God counseling more than once. And so he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he lets Elijah vent and tell what's going on. So look what Elijah says. He says, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have broken, forsaken all your commandments. They tore down your altars. They killed your prophets with a sword. And I alone am left, and they want to kill me too. So he says, things are not good. Things are not good. I've been really working hard for you. And, 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 and they've, they, they don't keep the law. They've torn down the altars. They're not worshiping right. They're killing people. And they're trying to kill me. So he's, telling, he's, he's getting a chance to, to tell all that's going on. And, 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 it, and it's really wrong thinking because notice what he says. And I alone am left. There's nobody else. And they seek to kill me. And he's got the wrong thinking. It's important to have the right thinking. He thinks he's the only one. He thinks the whole nation has turned away from God. He thinks everybody's worshiping Baal. He thinks he's the only one left and they're trying to kill him. Is he the only one left? No. Not. You remember earlier that when he had been hiding for all those years, three-something three years, that Obadiah guy came to him and said, I hid, you know, 100 prophets, 50 in one cave and 50 in another. So there's at least 100 others. Now, we're going to find out how many there are in just a minute. 
But so he's he's got wrong thinking. And listen, depression brings wrong thinking. It does. When you get depressed, you're gonna think wrong. You're gonna think nobody cares. Uh, life's not worth living. You don't see a hope. You don't see a future. You're the only one that's tried, and, and you've messed up so many times. God doesn't care anymore about you, and you might as well just die. That's what depression does. What is God doing? He's allowing Elijah to talk. When we people get depressed, allow them to talk. Get with them and say, what's going on? Here's the third thing. The third thing that God does is he shows Elijah that he, God, is in control. See, this is important because when we get depressed, we don't think about God, and we don't think about that God's in control. So watch what he does. And people use this passage for a lot of different things, but look what happened, verse 11. So he said, go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. So he said, go out there, go out of the cave and stand on the mountain. And behold, the Lord was passing by. Oh my. And a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking into pieces the rocks before the Lord. It was tearing the place up. But the Lord was not in the wind. And basically saying God's using the wind but not using the wind. Watch. After the wind, an earthquake came. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire came. God was on the fire. After a fire, sound of a gentle blowing. And Elijah heard it and he wrapped his face in the mantle and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. You know what God said? I, look, I can do an earthquake. I can do a fire. I can do wind. I can do, I can do anything because I'm in control. You're not in control. And nothing is lost. And I'm still the sovereign ruler of everything. I'm the sovereign ruler of everything. God is the power and he's in control. And sometimes when things go wrong, we, we forget that God's on the throne. We forget that God is the, the, the one who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Now watch. God's going to meet with him a second time. We, he needs a second counseling session. And so we're going to see a second counseling session. Notice again, uh, verse 13. Elijah heard it. He wrapped in his face a mantle, and he went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Why are you here? It's the same question. What are you doing here? Elijah probably needs to talk again. But this time God's going to say, let, let me tell you what we're going to do. Because see, sometimes when people get discouraged and they get uh, depressed, they, they're worn out, they're thinking wrong, they've forgotten that God's in control, everything looks hopeless, and so it's good to talk to them and say, tell me what's going on, tell me what's going on, tell me what's going on. So far, we have seen that God provided for him physically, he was able to talk with him and tell him, let, let Elijah tell him what's going on. He wanted him to realize that he's in control. Now watch what God does. God gives Elijah new responsibility. Look at verse 15. He, he says again, well, by the way, when he asked him what you're doing, look at verse 14. He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the Lord of hosts, and the Israel have forsaken your covenants. They torn down your altar. They killed the prophets with the sword. I'm the one that's left. That, that's exactly what he said earlier. You could almost say God said, well, you're not getting any better, right? You ever counsel people and they keep saying the same thing over and over again? And you say, we've already talked about this. You know you're thinking wrong, right? So God's now ready to help him get going. Watch what he does. Then the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. You've got to go all, you got to go a long way. And when you have arrived, you shall anoint Hazael, king over Aram, 
And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint him king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Mohalah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. Now, we'll see what happens here in just a second. So here's what he tells him to do. You got three things. You got to anoint this guy named Haziel. Syria is not Israel. Syria is a country. He says, you're going to go and you're going to anoint that guy as the king of Assyria. And then you're going to go and you're going to anoint Jehu as the king over Israel. By the way, who is the king of Israel? Huh? Ahab is. He says, you're going to go anoint a new guy. His name is Jehu. By the way, Jehu rides in a chariot, and Jehu drives crazy. He's known for driving fiercely. They see a chariot coming later on in the Bible. You'll see it. They look out, and they say, gosh, somebody's coming really wild. They say, that must be Jehu, because he drives really fast. And Jehu's going to be the king over Israel. And then he's going to anoint Elisha. Don't get them mixed up. They got very similar names, Elijah, Elisha, as a prophet. He's given him a new responsibility so often We think because of our sin, because of our failure, because of how we look at things, we can never be used by God. I've got people that that get depressed and they'll say things like, well, I'm just going to die and it's over. God will never use me again. God would never use me again. I said, wait a minute, what are you talking about? He'll use you right now. He'll use you right now. God takes us and he will use us for his glory. Now, if you're sinning in your life, you've got to deal with it. You've got to confess it and go on with your life. But he will take you and use you. One of the things we say in God's service, our greatest ability is our availability. Just be ready. Say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I will do it. Now watch verse 17. It will come about that the one who escapes from the sword of Haziel, Jehu, shall put to death, and the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu, Elisha, shall put to death. What in the world is going on? Look, the the new king of Syria is going to kill a lot of people, and who he doesn't kill, the new king of Israel is going to kill a lot of people, and he who doesn't he kill, Elisha is going to kill people. You go, whoa, there's going to be a lot of killing going on. And he says, this is your job. Your job is to go anoint that guy, anoint that guy, and anoint that guy. And by the way, he's going to go do it. And it's going to change history. Because see, Ahab is the king right now, and Jehu's fixing to be the king. And we'll go into a little bit of detail of what happens there, but we're primarily studying the life of Elijah, so we won't get off into too many details. But here's another thing. Here's the fifth thing that God does. And he... God showed Elijah he was not alone. What did Elijah say two different times? I am alone that's left, and they seek my life to take it away. I am alone that's left, and they seek my life to take it away. Two different times. And look what he says in verse 18. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. He said, I got 7,000 people. You're not the only one here. You've just been thinking wrong. See, 7,000 who have not worshipped Baal. Elijah, you're not by yourself in my work. In depression, sometimes we say, nobody's ever felt this way. I'm the only one like this. I'm the one that's going bad. Well, the truth is, we're not alone in the work. We're not alone in feeling this way. Others have gone through the same sort of things. And he says, and by the way, you're standing for me. Well, guess what? I got 7,000 people standing for me. So you're not the only one, and so you don't need to think that way. It's better than you think. And then there's one more. Here's the last thing he does. God gives Elijah a friend, and that friend is Elisha. Look what he says. 
Verse 19, so he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen. 12 pairs of oxen? Have you seen people plow with maybe two oxen? Maybe four? 12 pairs? This guy pretty tough. You want him, when the fight breaks out, Elisha is on our side, right? That's what you say. You want Elisha on our side. And he was doing 12 pair of oxen, and, uh, and he's with the 12. And Elijah passed over him and threw his mantle on him. That's symbolic. And he left the oxen, and he ran after Elijah. He said, let me go kiss my father and my mother, and I'll follow you. And he said, well, go back, and what have I done to you? So he returned from following him. He took a pair of oxen, he sacrificed them, and then he uh, did this, and then he gave to the people, and he ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. He became a friend. He became a guy that's going to be with Elijah. The mantle is symbolic. You are now going to be a prophet like me. You know that mantle? You remember when, when they're walking later on and Elijah's going to be taken off in the chariot and, and Elisha says, hey, I'd like the double portion. I'd like to be like you after you're gone. And he said, well, I can't tell you that, but if my mantle is left, you'll, you'll get it. And of course, Elijah took off. He's gone and looks down, there's the mantle. Elisha picks it up. So the mantle is symbolic of the power of God. And so God gives him a friend. God gives Elijah a friend named Elisha. Gene Getz says this. He said, what is a friend? It's one who multiplies joys and divides griefs. One who understands our silence when we just don't want to talk. A a watch that beats true for all time and never runs down. The one who comes in when the whole world has gone out. There's, there's some that's going to wish stick by you. That's what a true friend is. And Elisha is going to be the friend. I, I read this. I thought it was pretty neat. Story of a man who lost his entire fortune, and his wife told family members that he'd lost half of his friends over this. And they said, what about the other half? And they said, well, they don't know he's lost his fortune yet. And then he'll lose the other half, you know. A friend sticks by one who is there. Wow. So look what God did. Now let's look at it because I know time is up. But look, look at the things that God did. We, we've already seen the, the causes of depression, but look at this. God's work in Elijah's life was to provide physically food and rest and then allow Elijah to talk and to say what's going on and I'm the only one left. Nobody cares. Da, 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 da. And then God said, look, I'm in control. Look, I can do an earthquake. I can do fire. I can do wind. I can do anything I want to. I'm in control. And then he said, now i got a new responsibility. You're going to do with this with Hazel. You're going to do this with uh, Jehu. And you're going to do this with Elisha. And then he showed Elijah he was not alone. He said, you're not by yourself. i got 7,000. That hadn't even bowed down. And then he gave him the friend, Elisha. And so that, when we think about helping somebody, how do we help them? So let's do this. Let, let's first of all say, let's, let's recognize depression Expect it at the great highs and beware it could come. Be, be aware that it could come and just realize we talked about that oftentimes when you have an emotional high, you're going to have an emotional low. It's, emotions are that way. And, and, you know, when you have a real big high, sometimes you have a big low. He just had a giant high and now he's in a giant low. And, and that can happen to all of us. Be aware that it could come. Know the signs. What are the signs? Isolation, exhaustion, wrong thinking, problems. We, you know, we, we, we look at the problem rather than the promises. We think we're not worth anything. We're just completely worn out emotionally and physically, and we don't want to be around anybody else. So we got to do this. So how do we deal with it? Let's be ready to deal with depression in our fast-paced, event-packed, success-expected world. Because that's what we got. 
Everybody expects you to do great. And if you don't do great, you're fired. If you don't act right, you're out of here. If you're not perfect, because see, everybody else is perfect except you, at least that's how we think. So how are we going to deal with depression? Well, first of all, get rest. When, if you feel depressed or if somebody's depressed, take them some food. Get with them. Get them some rest. Let them talk. Find out what's going on. We sometimes need to express our feelings. There are times, there are times that as a pastor, people come to me, but who do I go to? Sometimes I tell Jean, and she says, oh, just don't talk to me. No, no, she's, she's wonderful. She's wonderful. She is wonderful. But you've got to have somebody, don't you? Somebody to talk to. The third thing is, realize God is in control no matter what's going on. He's in control. Realize that God will use us. Just keep on serving. Don't think he can't use you because he will. He did Elijah. And then realize that we're not alone in this. Others have gone through it too. In fact, Elijah said, I'm alone in the whole ministry. No, there's 7,000. And then last but not least, get, a free, get somebody. We all need people. See, what the problem a lot of times in, 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 in depression is you want to be by yourself, but you don't need to be by yourself. I mean, it's okay to be by yourself a little bit and talk through it and pray and think through but you need people. We need to get out. We need to be with people. We need to realize God is in control. We need to talk it out. We need to get rest. We need to serve God. We need to realize we're not alone. And that's how it works. We need a friend. I read, I think this is a great little poem. It says, I went out to find a friend, but I could not find one there. I went out to be a friend, and friends were everywhere. And it's true. It's true. If you're looking for friends, you, you don't find them. But if you're being a friend, you find them everywhere.